Hi everyone, I'm Shakisha Morgan, AKA the Legacy Counselor and welcome to Estate Ready. This podcast was created with one goal, to communicate that estate planning is for everyone. Yes, including you. We're gonna take some of our favorite famous black folks, talk about their estates and get some key takeaways that you can apply in your own life. My co-host for this season is none other than the brilliant Dr. Takia Robinson, my sister and friend, and also one half of the dynamic duo of the Get and Grown podcast. She's here to make sure that I don't do too much lawyer talk and that I answer the pressing questions that you all want to know. If you have a celebrity that you want us to talk about or some pressing questions regarding estate planning or estate administration, email us at estatereadypodcast at gmail.com. I have to say that this podcast, you listening to it, does not count as legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship between myself and you, the listener. But listen, y'all, if we stay ready, we ain't got to get ready. So let's get estate ready. Now let's get into the show. All right, so tonight, tonight we are talking about one of my favorite hustlers, the really? hustle. Yeah, one of my favorite hustlers. I'm not even, not even gonna hold you. Not even gonna hold you. I really admired his grind, and I really admired the shift in his career. I really admired his community-minded focus and like how he was very like intent on doing things that were benefiting his community. Like he rode for LA, he rode for Crenshaw, you know? So for sure, one of my favorites, Nipsey Hussle. I will admit that I wasn't as aware about his music because I feel like I don't even remember how I got to know who he was. But like mm-hmm. when I got to know who Nipsey Hussle was, that was like after his mixtapes. So like, yeah. I really got to know him. Like at- after he got signed. Yeah. So I really got to know him at Victory Lap. Um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, came much later. Um, But yeah, anyway, tonight, today, depending on when you're listening to it, we are talking about the Nipsey Hussle rapper, community activist, entrepreneur, um, and soul gone way too soon. For sure. Also uh, known as um, Hermes Joseph. Is it, is, I think it's, I don't know how to, I don't want to say it wrong. Um, but I feel like it's Escadon. I think so too. Escadon. That's that's how I yeah, I think so too. I think it's Escadon. But if I'm incorrect, please charge my <laughs> head, not my heart. Uh, uh Nipsey Hustle, born August 15th, 1985. August 85, babies. Yes. Uh <laughs> Crenshaw, Los Angeles, California to Mother Angelique Smith. Uh, and father, David Ashkadam, who was uh, Eritrean. Um, And so raised up in in Crenshaw um, with his brother Samuel and his sister Samantha. Um, uh, He attended Alexander Hamilton High School. um, And uh, I don't like to say dropped out, even though that's what happened. He, he decided that this path was not for him. <laughs> he made an executive decision at the age of 14 that he was on a different trajectory in his that's life. Right. That's right. Um, but was no, no, 
for sure. No stranger to hustling, no stranger to hard work. There are stories told of him making money at the age of 11. Uh, he shined shoes and did other odd jobs around the neighborhood so that he could buy himself and his siblings school clothes. Um, and at the age of 18, that executive decision that he made, uh, you know, so his next career move after that was to join the Rolling 60s uh, Crips and, um, you know, uh, you know, worked his way up. Um, uh, I mean, in the trenches. An executive through I mean, I mean, became a leader uh, known throughout the organization for, you know, his stellar strategic management okay, skills. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I mean, he was a fundraiser, masterful entrepreneur and businessman. And we will put respect on his name. We will. Always. Yes, we will. And so he was a faithful father to his two children, Imani um, and Cross. And, uh, you know, after uh, sort of his start as a businessman, transitioned into, you know, community activism and entrepreneurship and what, you know, as you were stating, became known throughout his community for investing into, uh, you know, small businesses um, and really building enterprise and, uh, you know, really like, like capacity in, in the community in some really yeah. awesome ways. And so, you know, we, we knew him as a, a rapper who was, you know, award-winning, very, um, you know, very highly regarded throughout the hip-hop community. He had multiple mixtapes. His most popular uh, was called The Marathon that was released in 2010. Um, and uh, he also um, relate, uh, let me see, he sold those mixtapes out of the, the trunk of his car at a local strip mall. And, um, uh, and it says, you know, I just love, you know, it says we, he experimented with unorthodox sales strategies for selling copies of said mixtapes throughout can we the, the greater Los Angeles community. <laughs> can we stick a pin here and shout out yes. to my admin destiny? Okay. Sure. Destiny, Destiny um, does the research for mm -hmm. these podcasts. And you know what? Shout out to Destiny for her creative. You know, you know I think it's it's respectful. We have we have to be conscious. We're not going to negatively stigmatize no, the skills and talents no, of this not. young man mm -hmm. um, in, in any way. We're not going to diminish them. And so yeah, shout out to Destiny. So in addition to his own music career, he began, um, you know, he, he partnered up with a lot, some, some other influential folks throughout hip hop, uh, hip hop uh, industry, uh, namely Steve Carlos, Karen Civil, Jorge, is it Panish? Panish? I don't know. He, he founded the Marathon Agency in 2013, um, which was inspired by his marathon branding. So he developed a brand called the marathon um and you know that that talent-based brand went on to attract a diverse set of clients in all stages of their careers um he heavily invested in the agency to get it to get it started and from that marathon the you know the agency he later opened the marathon clothing store in in 2017 
um, and it was known throughout the Crenshaw Commercial District. Um, and it was very important, important to him because he wanted to invest and provide opportunities within his neighborhood of Hyde Park. It, what, what made the Marathon store so next level was that it was actually a smart store that would give customers access to exclusive music and other content created by rappers through an app. So it was really like this. He was groundbreaking. Beautiful marriage, right? Of like, you know, uh, commercial business with, you know, digital, uh, um, you know, platforms. And, you know, it was, it was awesome because as he was learning, he was also teaching. And as he, you know, he was really self, self-educated, uh, self-made. And I just love to hear him speak, you know, Absolutely. Um, yeah. he had such a way with words, not only musically, but he was just, just, you know, really prolific and ahead of his time and how he was thinking and um, thinking about himself, thinking about his future, the future of his family, the future of his community. Yep. Uh, he says he wanted to focus on, quote, giving solutions and inspirations to young, young Black men like him. And he con- continuously denounced gun violence through his music influence and community work. And he spoke very openly about his experience with gang culture um, and wanted to very much change that narrative uh, for other folks in his community. Uh, he started a co-working uh, uh, spot. Um, man like is, a co-working man space. Like, innovative. I mean, he was like, we work, but for us, okay? Yes, and yes, so he, we work for he started, us. Yes, we work for us. It was called Vector 90. Um, also um, in the Crenshaw community area. And it was uh, because he felt that that area was, uh, you know, largely underserved and that young people needed access to not only space to do work, but the resources and technology to do, to do work that would make them competitive in, right. you know, you know, academically and on into in industry. And, um, you know, he, was intimately involved in the planning of what was called the Destination Crenshaw, Crenshaw Project that will go on to showcase the history and culture of African-Americans in the neighborhood. So a visionary far beyond his time, his year, wise beyond his years. And unfortunately, uh, on March 31st uh, in 2019, his life was taken um and uh as we will get into uh on a state ready you know things were not things were not in place and i mean this is common right because no one expects no one expects for someone in their 30s to to be you know for their for their life to be taken yeah um but yeah take it away sis let's get into this uh estate business so you know one of the really interesting things that that has happened here and you know it's one of the things that why we really emphasize like what our community is doing on this podcast like we're only featuring famous black people because we really want to emphasize the fact that there are we know people like this is the age right we know so many people that have started businesses that have made the shift towards like community building, capacity building, wealth building. And for some reason, I think that people our age, um, and when I say people our age, I mean in that 30 to 40 group. Millennial space. Millennials, zennials, right? Mm-hmm. 
we're thinking that this, this is a great shift for us. And so we're going to shift and we're going to continue to build. Right. I remember Mm -hmm. when, I remember when my mindset shifted, um, when it related to like financial success, community success, and like started building. And one of the things that I really want us to do is like, if we're going to be as intentional as we are about community building, let's be as intentional as we also can be by capacity building for the things that we're building to continue. Now, I will tell you, a lot of times when we talk about why to do this is we talk about family drama. And I'm not saying that Nipsey didn't have any family drama, but when it came to his immediate family, when it came to his brother and sister, you're not seeing them in the news arguing and going back and forth. The things that you see, the family quote unquote drama that you see in the news is actually the kind of stuff where it's impacted by the fact that he had two kids with mm-hmm. two different women. And when he mm-hmm. died, he was not married to either of them. Right. So we're talking about custody arrangements and who gets what and who gets mm-hmm. access to what it is. So when it comes to his estate, he didn't have an estate plan as, as far as the, all of the information that we've seen out there, that it is, it is understood that he didn't have an estate plan. And his brother was actually named the administrator of his estate. And he can, through the information through his estate, it was kind of revealed that his estate is probably worth around $4 million. That includes real property. That includes like his gross income. But we also don't know like what is also a part of it related to his brands, mm-hmm. to the rights to his music and those kind of things that, that tend to continue even after someone has passed. Now, Sam has been, his brother has actually been doing a great job. Mm-hmm. His estate is in good standing. Um, he's, he's updated the taxes, he's, he's paid those sort of things. And so as it relates to the management of his estate, Nipsey's issue, Nipsey's estate issue is not on who manages, right? When we talked about the queen's estate, Mm -hmm. conversely last week, Mm -hmm. a lot of the drama came from who was going to be the person managing the stuff. Because they're still arguing and fussing and fighting over these things. The difference right. is, is that when you talk about the beneficiaries of the queen's estate, that's four adult sons. When you talk about the beneficiaries of Nipsey Hussle's estate, we're talking about two minor children. Right? Under 18. Under 18, right? That's mm-hmm. what we mean by minors, under 18. I think at the time that uh, Nipsey died, I think Cross, his son with Lauren London, was three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his his daughter Imani with Tanisha was ten. Mm-hmm. Now let's mm-hmm. talk about the setup of this family. With his daughter Imani, consider that there was a lot of drama, and they were in a legal battle during uh, Nipsey Hussle's lifetime to keep Imani away from her mother because she, according to them, was not fit to take care of their child. And so that battle was not resolved by the time Nipsey was taken away from us, which means that that battle continued after mm-hmm. death. And the, one of the things that I try to tell people, when you are in a co-parenting relationship and you are not married to the co-parent, you should have a parenting agreement in place. Because one of the things that we have to think about is if one of the parents pass, what happens to the child? Who's taking care of the child? Who's raising the child? Who is managing stuff for the child? Go ahead. 
when you oh yeah okay question so this parenting agreement is this a document that would be a part of one's estate plan or is this something that one can have before they make us an estate plan like walk us through what what uh this parenting plan process is from start to finish really great point really great question so it can be a part of it a good estate planner when you sit when you sit with them they're going to ask you about your kids now remember we talked about this before we talked about the fact that stepchildren are not a part of someone's estate plan because when you think about automatic you know beneficiaries of someone's estate if your kids aren't adopted by you or born of you they're not considered your kids but let's say your kids are adopted and born of you and you're in this co-parenting relationship and you're not together with the co-parent could have a great relationship with them there should be something written down as to the understanding between the co-parents about how the child is being raised and I also encourage co-parents to think about having a conversation about what happens if one of them passes what does it look like for the surviving parent to interact with the family of the parent that has passed right? These are things that absolutely can be written down. I actually recommend they be written down. You don't have to do them through the court system, but you can file them in the court system once the two of you agree. And what that does is it helps to maintain the, the integrity of the familiar relationships beyond just those parents, because right. it takes a village to raise a child. And so especially, especially if the parenting, the co-parenting situation is difficult, like it seemed to be, between Tanisha and Nipsey Hussle, mm-hmm. then even more important, if you can't come to a parenting agreement, you wanna get an agreement from the court as to who does what and what happens if one of them passes. Now this, this comes up a lot because there are situations where even in the best co-parenting situations, if one parent passes and they want their stuff to go to their kid, the legal guardian, is usually the one who's going to be the one managing it. So I ask the legal guardian, typically, unless they've lost parental rights, is going to be the surviving parent. This is a great reason. I'm actually gonna say this a couple times this episode. This is a great reason to do a trust because it gives you the ability to decide who's gonna manage what you're leaving for your kid, especially in a co-parenting situation where you're not married to the other parent especially and also adding to that especially if the children are under the age of 18. Yes and that's going to be point two Kia don't give them too much don't give them too much. I'm so sorry I'm getting it. Don't give them too much. Okay so you have that parenting situation with with his daughter's mother then you have his son with the love of his life born London and there were some rumors about whether or not they were engaged or not at the time that he passed but here's what we know they weren't married. Um, and so the impact then on the estate is that not a legally married, people, there was not a license on file. Yes. When I say right. married, I mean legally married under mm-hmm. the laws of the United States of America, because that's what right. we live. Right. <laughs> Those are the laws right. we have to abide by. And right. what a lot of people thought was, oh, you know, London is his longtime partner. They've been, they've been living together. They got a kid together. So he was like, so it must be everything is going to go to her, but that's not the case. Um, And so when you have these sort of co-parenting situations, it's important to understand what the impact is going to be on your estate plan. So for those who are listening, here's estate lesson number one for the day. 
there is no in-between. Your marriage status impacts your estate distributions. Period. You're either married or you're not married. <laughs> they're legally married or you're not married. Here's the, here's the kind of sort of exception to that is that there are some states that allow for common law marriage. But you need to understand that there are rules related to common law marriage and you still have to prove in court that you're common law married. I actually had a client who had been with his, he calls her his wife, so I'm gonna call her his wife. He'd been with his partner for decades. And when they bought a house together, they just bought it in her name. But when she died, they didn't have any children. When she died, he had put money into the house. He was on the loan for the house. He was, you know, paying the mortgage on the house. But because they weren't married, we had to go to court to try and argue that he was her common law husband so he could get the house. Or else the sister and mom who didn't like him, we're going to get the house and then we're going to take it away from him. So this is something that is common. Yes. We've heard this story many, many times before. Um, And I mean, many people assume that, you know, your auntie and uncle been married because they've lived together all of your life. And it is not until one of them passed that you learned that oh, wait, what? no license on file down to the courthouse. Ain't no license. And as such, as such, we Ain't get no into this very heated. Ain't no merge. So all of this you're saying could be mitigated if in our estate plans, even in lieu of getting married, before you decide to get married, um, you know, if you if you take the time beforehand, you mm-hmm. can designate and, and make clear who you want to handle what, regardless of your actual marital status. Let me tell you something, Kia. Let me tell you something. You sound like a woman who has an estate plan and it I do. by a good lawyer. Okay. Because you mm-hmm. know what you're talking about. Because yes, because you can choose whoever mm-hmm. can inherit from you, whoever can and you know step in on your behalf if you have a long-term partner and that's who you want to be at the hospital if you get sick that's who you want to go to the bank if you can't get your money out that's who you want to get the house that you bought in your name but if you died you'd want it to go to that person then you need to put them in your estate plan because otherwise they have no legal standing to be a part of your estate Lauren London is not going to get any money out of Nipsey's estate because she was not his legal wife at the time he died. Fiance, I have to tell y'all, fiance is just an American marketing tool. Like I get it. It's like a, you know what I'm saying? It's like a pending status, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? But because until that status is cleared and it changes from pending to active in the eyes of the law, Fiance, girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, like you're married or you're not married. And so I, I definitely say this to people who are non-traditional, quote unquote, non-traditional couples, that if you want to protect your partner's ability to be a part of your life in the most intimate ways, you need to include them in your estate planning documents. You need to designate them. Okay. Question. My next question. 
bring on the question. Now, some would some would say, okay, Lauren, not his wife, uh, fiance. We understand that that really doesn't mean anything in the eyes of the law. What we do know, though, is that Lauren is his child's mother. So what do we say to folks who would assume that, I mean, as the child's mother, surely she would be entitled to something? Right. Surely, right? Surely. surely. Yeah, no. So let me go into the state. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. It's state lesson number two. And y'all going to be surprised when I say this, but the parent does not always equal the guardian. Look at that. That's, I might need to put that on a, a t-shirt. Put it on a canvas tote. We need to get that message out here into the streets now. This is the thing, hands down, that surprises every parent when I talk to them about it. For sure. For sure. Because I tell them, and I'm going to tell you all, you really need to be looking to a trust again under this point, because when a minor inherits from the state, so we've established that Nipsey was not married at the time he died and he had two minor children, which means that his two minor kids, if his estate is worth four million, let's say he got taxes and da 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 da, da it's reported that each of his kids is about to get a million. They're about to be out here worth a milli. Okay. All right. And you need to understand what that means in the context of post death legal matters, AKA probate. Mm-hmm. What that means in the eyes of the law, someone who's not 18 can't own property. They can't Mm -hmm. have a bank account that a million dollars is sitting in. Mm -hmm. They don't have the legal capacity to do it. But they can have a trust with a million dollars sitting in it. But they look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Virtual hug, friend, because you really (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, you know, I feel like you listen to me and knowledge knowledge is power, it's information. We are when we have the right knowledge, we can plan accordingly. And you save everybody that you leave behind so much, so much grief. So much. If you just if you just have things in order and you know, yeah, like. So much. This, I mean, this is, these are the keys that we don't get to know, right? This is the, the stuff. Keys, these are the they keys. They're trying to keep the keys, keys y'all. I'm trying yes. to give you the keys to the city. I'm trying to give you the keys to the money. Here we mm. go. The parent doesn't always equal the guardian. Here's what I mean by this. Let's talk about Imani. Let's talk about the daughter. They were in that legal battle mm-hmm. with the mother. And after Nipsey died, his family continued that legal battle because they said, she right. can't take care of this child. Right. Now, eventually... The court appointed Nipsey's immediate family um, to become the guardian of his daughter, Imani. But they had to fight that. Mm. They had to fight that. They had to prove that she wasn't able to be the one to do it because automatically the surviving parent is supposed to be the one who becomes the legal guardian. So that's one side. But let's talk about the other side because he didn't have no issues with Lauren. They were living together. So what do I mean the parent doesn't equal the guardian? Well, their son Cross is going to inherit at least a million from his daddy's Mm -hmm. estate. Because he's under 18, he can't manage it, which means that people just go, oh, okay, great. The surviving parent manages it. No, no, no. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, uh, uh. that's not how it works so what Lauren had to do and what every parent who is the parent of a minor child who inherits from an estate will have to do if you don't have the right thing in place aka a trust 
you have to go to court to petition to be the guardian of your own child to manage the property, aka money, that's coming to your minor child. That's what, so remember, I already said they were already in court in probate. Mm-hmm. So you have probate, then you had to add a guardianship. And here's the other side of that guardianship. At 18, whatever's in that guardian account goes to the kid because at 18, they are a legal adult. So whatever million is, can, do y'all really think you can trust an 18 year old with a million dollars? You, you can't trust me when I was 18. I don't trust me. I didn't trust me at 25. I, wouldn't tr- I was about to say, I wouldn't trust me at 28. But listen, that's not here nor there. It wasn't until we crossed the 30. I mean, I want to say solidly like 33. I was, able to, I, I was able to start trusting myself with a certain amount of money. But at 18, you get a million, you just drop it. And here's the thing, until the child turns 18, using the money, it's in a guardianship account supervised by the court so the parent has to go to the court to to ask the court to get money out of the guardianship account for their own child that they had with their partner that they were living with while they were alive that's a lot that's a lot so So the parent doesn't know the guardian right automatic if your child under 18 is going to inherit whoever is the surviving parent will have to go and petition the, the court to become your child's guardian. So that's why you want to do crazy. things. Yeah. You want to get your estate plan together. And especially if you have a minor child, you really want to strongly consider doing a trust to keep all of that out of court. And so you can designate who's the person that manages it before you even have to deal with that mess. And you can also designate, like you're, you're also then not legally bound to 18, right? So then if you decide, if you have a trust, you can say, all right. Yeah. You can say 30. You don't get this money until 30. <laughs> and, you can say, just to Keisha be sure. Said, Keisha said she wasn't financially responsible until 33. And so we don't go with 33 at the minimum age that you can start managing. Yeah. Especially, I think of somebody like right now, God willing, I'll have more children. But right now, I have one child. Everything me and Joseph have is going to our one child. Let me tell you something. She not going to be able to manage that and choose what happens to it until she's in her 30s. She can't. I'm going to have that. <laughs> oh, ma'am. No, you can get money for college. You can get money for a down payment home. You can get money to start your business. But you're not getting full access, boo-boo, until the time is right. And the time ain't right before 30. I can take it right now. It's not, 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 not what you about to get left. No, ma'am. But the, yes, but the, the, the key here is um, having these things established beforehand exactly. just saves a lot of money, saves a lot of time, mm-hmm. saves a lot of headache. Yes. Um, uh, especially, yeah. Well, I was going to say the reason why is because this takes us into point number three. Our third mm-hmm. estate lesson for today is that even under the quote unquote best case circumstances, probate is still a burden. It's still yeah, a burden, yeah. right? I said that Nipsey's uh, immediate family wasn't arguing, brothers managing the estate, managing the estate well, but, but hear me, he's still managing the probate estate. So he still probably has lawyers that he has to go through. Because if he's staying on top of this, the estate the way he is, he's definitely using a lawyer, right? And he's paying taxes and you know, there's, all of these things are expenses. 
Uh, and I'm telling you sure. that the probate process takes at least nine months to a year under best case circumstances. This is nobody's arguing about who's managing the estate. It's clear who's inheriting from the estate. You, you, you put all the stuff in place. You got a good lawyer. You man It takes at least nine months to a year. And I, I've had this experience multiple times over where all of the family was aligned and it still took, I told them from the beginning, we're going to, we're going to be with each other for at least the next year, because that's just how the probate process works. And so I'm going to, I'm going to say it for a third time. This is why I tell people to strongly consider having a trust as a part of your estate plan, because what a trust does is you can put things into a trust during your lifetime. And because of the way trusts are set up, when you die, nothing that's in the trust goes through court. So you get to avoid this probate administration process because you get immediate access to the money. If you want the money to be in there over long-term, then you can do that too. And that's, that's really when you do estate planning, that's why I tell people, you really wanna be careful about using these online services because you're not able to say to an online service, here is the setup of my family and the goals I wanna do. How do I ensure that what I'm doing meets those needs? It gotta work with an attorney who's gonna be able to say to you, here is how this works in our state. Here's what's gonna impact you. Here's what guardianship looks like here. And so because of that, let's get your things lined up in this way because that's gonna be the most tax efficient, time efficient, money efficient way to transfer your estate. For sure. All right. That's what makes the investment worth it. That's it. Because that's what it is. What What did we say last week? An investment has a return on what you're paying. But everything else, when you're going through probate, it's a cost. There was a cost to do the probate administration. There was a cost for her to have to file the guardianship petition. There was a cost for the family to have to file a guardianship petition related to Nipsey's daughter and all of those things. And again, I don't fault him because there was no way. Mm -hmm. On March 31st, 2019, he woke up that day and was like, this is my last day. There's no way. There's no way he had so much ahead of him that he saw that he was going to do. And so that's why I say that as you build, you are doing your estate plan because you want your build to continue to be able to even outlive you. But also you have an opportunity to make sure that what you're doing alleviates any burden on your family if something unexpected was to occur. All right. So your three estate lessons for today, there's no in between. You're either married or you're not married and your marriage status affects your estate distributions. Number two, the parent doesn't always equal the guardian. Sometimes circumstances cause things to happen. And so you want to be prepared in the best way possible, prepared ahead of time. And number three, even under the best case circumstances, when your estate has to go through probate, it's going to be a burden, a time burden, a financial burden for your loved ones after you leave. So I hope emotional burden, emotional burden. Absolutely. Nobody talks about the emotional cost, but yes, an emotional burden. So I hope you take these three lessons. You decide to do something for yourself, your family, your loved ones, your community to get a state ready, take on the spirit of Nipsey hustle, be community and family focused and family minded to do things for the ones that you love. And I hope that each of you does something to get a state ready this week this week. If you have any questions, if you have any celebrities that you want us to talk about, any estates that you want us to talk about, email us at estate 
readypodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Thank you.